Now is the time. Now is the time, if you're young, to take God seriously. So everyone who said they felt young, uh, now is the time to take God seriously. Not when you're older, not when you're an adult, now. Verse 12, remember your creator, sorry, chapter 12, (laughs) it's a big 12. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Now, some of you people who sort of put yourself in the older category or maybe just feeling older today, what's hard for you now that as a youngster you knew nothing about? What are the things that if, you know, uh, Ben was going to come up to you and say, hey, what's it like being old? And, you know, because he wouldn't do so disrespectful as I say it like that, of course, but, you know, I can be. Um, and, uh, and what would you say? Well, this poem here is probably, I mean, it, it could be a poem about a village shutting down when there's a funeral on. It could be like that. It could be a poem where everything in it is a metaphor for the body aging, or it could be both. There are even other options. Like most things in Ecclesiastes, the commentators have got a million options and not a lot of agreement. But what if it's both? At the very least, it works as that. I mean, verse 3 uh, is interesting. When your legs no longer function, the keepers of the house are trembling and the strong men stoop. The things that were keeping you upright are no longer doing it on the soccer field. That's what's happening for me. Most of the time, like I end the game running like this, just with one hand like that on the hamstring. Verse 3, when you can't eat steak anymore because you don't have the teeth to do it. One day, Billy, your teeth that's, that crunched into that pizza last night, you won't have them. When your eyes stop working in verse 4, see, this is the, sorry, that's, that's what the grinders were, sorry, in verse 3. The grinders that are ceasing, well, the grinders, they're probably the teeth. The, uh, the, the windows, oh, sorry, the, um, those looking through the windows growing dim, it's got this idea that the, the ones looking out the windows growing dim. Well, that's probably a metaphor for your eyes are stopping working, so you can't see that person who's coming to tag you in fresh, Ben. You won't be able to, you won't be able to get away anymore because you won't be able to see them coming. Or maybe uh, when the, uh, the men rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint, you won't be able to hear the person even say fresh, so you won't know and you, you'll get tagged. You guys who don't know the game fresh, that's your bad luck, it's fine. You're, when you can't hear music anymore, one day even Benjamin's musical ear will fail him. Or maybe verse 5, it starts to get a little bit sadder where you see the, the dementia, possibly, as, an, as, a, as, a, as a metaphor here, for uh, you get paranoid about everything. You, you, you're freaking out about everything. You're, 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 you're not even recognizing the room that you're in because you're always feeling not at home because nothing feels like home anymore. It's a sad moment. When the almond tree blossoms. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, hold on, that sounds like a really nice spring thing, doesn't it, right? Now, this is what an almond tree looks like when it's not blossoming. This is what it looks like when it is blossoming. What do you think it's talking about? It's Roger's hair, right? Right? It's just when your hair goes grey, right? Well, if you, well, you've just good point. So you, you, yours, yours would just be twigs and sticks. See, like, this is, I'm pretty close. You see, 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 this is actually another metaphor for age, even though it looks, it seems like a positive one. See, even it, one day, even Ash's hair will turn white. Oh, hold on, that won't work, does it? <laughs> it's already white. Um, but the, we'll all go grey. We'll all get to the point where we're like that grasshopper. And it's one of my favorite verses in Scripture. The grasshopper is dragging itself along. 
or you go back to verse 1 and it says, well, there are years that are going to approach when you'll say, I find no pleasure in them. And maybe you've one day woken up and wished that you didn't. So you're young guys and you've got knees and they have a use-by date. They will not work forever. Life is short. Now is your time. So the good thing to do might be to actually ask an older person what they had wished they had done years ago. What did they wish that they'd known when they had all the musical talent and the fingers still to twiddle fire like Reggie did? What did they wish they knew when they had that much energy? Because one day the thing is your body will fall apart. That's a really cheery start to a talk, isn't it? But the reason for that is because it's all smoke. Uh, our lives are smoke. This is in the theme of the book. Now, in our modern life, youth actually gets extended quite a bit because sometimes you don't get a job until, I don't know, I mean, like, like I mean, when do you finish your, when do you finish your med training? Like, you've only already had a like, job for a bit, but like, wh- how old will you be when you finally finish like, the final bits of your med training? Like, it's t- like, we train and work. It's like the skills that are required to get a job are so much and for so long. Youth gets extended for so many years, right? Like, you used to be working when you were 10 and or 11 in the fields or the coal mines with mum and dad, right? Life, life is more convenient and science. We've grown in knowledge, learned to rule the world as we're intended. This is great. We've bought more life, longer life, hearing aids, medicines, heart surgery, fad diets. Oh, old age has actually been held off for a bit. And humanity has done well. And the goodness of God has, has allowed us to do this. This is great. This is good. Praise God. Thank you. So that actually extends the tag of youth to probably most of you relative to people in other ages, your age. I'm going to say, anyone with younger knees than me, this talk is for you. You are young. But it also means that the lie is easier to believe. It's easier to believe the lie that this stuff isn't true, that this isn't our fate, that this will never happen to me, or at least not in a way that I need to think about. And the teacher says, no, you need to. Now, be aware. But the teacher's wiser than your standard sort of uh, TikTok influencer because he doesn't just say, YOLO, live it up because you've only got one youth, so just enjoy it as much as you can. Did you notice verse 1 actually starts quite interesting? He says, remember the Lord. Remember God in the days of your youth. Your creator. Remember that you're a made being. By someone, and there's a relationship because it is being made. There's a carer for you. There's a maker. Remember that one in your youth. Now, it's sort of funny. If we add up the enjoy the moment bits of Ecclesiastes, just have fun, enjoy, just receive the seasons as a, as a gift and enjoy. And then the, hey, um, God's going to judge you. Remember that God's there and he's going to judge all of your actions bits. I think we actually get to something like what Jesus says when he comes to this in Matthew 6, when he says, Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, the, the, that figure we were reminded of at the very start of Ecclesiastes, this Solomonic figure that the teacher is, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And so seek the kingdom of God. Remember God. And so you live like the wild things, the wild flowers, without anxiety. Uh, Wendell Berry wrote a poem, and um, I think everyone who I've ever heard who I've liked their preaching on Ecclesiastes quotes this poem, so I think I should do it as well. Um, 
hear this poem. It says, it's, it's, it's called The Peace of Wild Things. And he says, When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, when I'm in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and I lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water. I go down to where the great heron feeds and I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world, and I am free. The peace of wild things who know their creator. Now, there is a second part, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna move into this, the sort of the conclusion of the matter. The author's final note. Uh, remember we had this um, analogy when we got Ecclesiastes at the start that it was like, a, like a, a good classic novel that the sort of slightly edgy English teacher gave you but then put a little note in the back just saying, hey, make sure you just, make sure you just, like here's the note to read at the end so that the slightly, maybe there's a little slightly edgy stuff in there that I just want you to get in context. Read that. You need to read this. This is a classic. It's so good for you but just keep in mind the note. This is the note. We're at the note, uh, verses 9 to 14 of Ecclesiastes 12. This is the note stuck in there. And what does he say? What does he say? He says, well, sorry, I'm slightly ahead, but he says, not only was the teacher wise, but also he imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and he wrote what was upright and true. What he's saying is, you've done important work here to get to this point. This is, the, this is, the, this is like the, um, you know, some books have like, a, if you've made it this far, well done, or some, some emails need it, you know. Um, uh, these are important things. If you've come this far, he's saying, well done, this is important stuff. You have done hard work. It's been tricky. Uh, the, these are important things, matters of life and living, mat- the, the matters of the patterns and rhythms of being, of life and of death, of waking and of sleeping, of wisdom and of foolishness. And it has mattered that you have done this work. It has been important to do this, says the author, S- says God to us. And then he says, of many books there is no end and of much study wearies the body. I know it's been hard. <laughs> I understand it's been actually a bit of a slog to get through this book, he says. And even remembering in week one, he's he said of human words, they can all be a bit chattery, can't they? It can, it, can, it can seem like just a whole bunch of words that don't matter. And to be honest, most of the teachers' investigations, they were a little bit like that in a way because they were all under the sun investigations with human logic and human reason. No, they, they weren't divine and so in a sense, as we've gone through it, and it has been, it has been sluggish at times, no, no wonder some of the words have felt a bit tiresome. They've felt a bit wearying. No wonder they've felt like they're helpful, but don't really solve the problem. So where does the teacher conclude? What can he do for us? What, is the, uh, what does the note at the end say? Hey, just remember this and it'll be okay. 
What, what is the conclusion of the matter? It's a tiny bit surprising, but very, very good. Fear God. Keep His commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. It's true. You've got to respect God. You've got to respect your maker. He is your maker. He can make you. He can unmake you. Uh, and yet, at the same time, you feel like, well, man, we, you did a lot of work to get there that you didn't need to do. Like, you analyzed life and you said, okay, it's temporary and it's confusing. Like, smoke, you can't, can't get your hands on it. And like, smoke, you, you can't necessarily even get your head around it. So, receive it as a gift from God? Sure. And yes, this, this works throughout the complications of life. And, and yes, it's a, better, it's, it's a better way to do life than to not have thought that through, than to be grasping all the time at, at, at the next rung of something, climbing the next rung of the ladder, getting to the next bit. Sure, it's better than that. But like, man, getting to the end of the book and discovering actually that he doesn't actually have an answer for life. There is no solution. It's just a better way to deal with what's still a hard, difficult sometimes crappy life. See, what he's teaching us here is that he actually, he can't do that for you. He can't do that for us. This book of Old Testament wisdom can't tell you how everything's going to turn out. Can't tell you how your life's going to turn out. Though maybe you really would like to know. He can't even reassure you that everything's going to be okay in how it turns out for you. Then maybe you feel like you should be able to. He's like, he can't tell you why everything that's happened to you has happened so that you can organize it in your head and feel therefore okay about it because you've got a sense of why. All he can say is, all that a teacher who gave you this book can say is, well, God will judge, so make sure you keep him in mind. Even he says, he says enjoy it, receive it as a gift. Ultimately, he leaves us in some anxiety. With that conclusion, I think. There's no, there's no reassurance about the future. And yet he says that this is sure wisdom. Goads, like the, a, a, the, the prod of a, of a wise shepherd with a goad prodding the animal. Like, uh, the, the nail that's nailed into reality, a good thing to hang your hat on. This is, this, is, this is the best worldly wisdom that there is, says the author. Pay attention to it. And we should... And yet, it doesn't seem enough. We're going to, within the application, pull this together a little bit as a book. There's four applications. The first one is, stop listening to foolishness. You see, the thing is, the wisdom of the world, even, in the, even, even the divinely uh, authorized version here, is limited. The wisdom of the world can't give you, relieve your anxiety and can't give you peace. So if even, the, if even the world's wisdom is limited, please stop listening to the world's foolishness. You see, you might need to disconnect from some parts of the world completely in order to stop hearing its messages. The classic obvious one is, is you might actually need to get off social media and it's messaging. If it's always telling you how to be a better parent, a better this, a better that, a better this, a better that, a better this, a better that. As if that's what's going to make you feel better once you will be it. 
as if being good were achievable, first of all, and as if clicking on their link will make it so. It, it might mean, what is the world's, where does the world's foolishness, that ungodly wisdom, get pushed into your heart? What of your culture, be it Australian or from some other part of the world, is ungodly, foolish world culture that we need to push away? It might mean saying, it might mean a conversation where you actually have to say, Mum, I don't need to have a degree, I don't need to be married, and I don't need to have kids by the time I'm 30. That's not true. It's not what God tells me is important in life. I'd like you to stop saying things like that that put pressure on me. Stop listening to foolishness might mean being willing to not have really decided your mind on who's right on some particular political topic, even though you feel like you really want to. Not needing to know that you're right or on the right side of history. Giving, giving up that, that ability to say, I'm going to feel good about myself and secure because I know that I've worked out the world, the world has completely worked out in my head and I know I'm right. Because that's not going to be something that's actually going to stand you instead when you stand before God, when He judges the world, it doesn't matter. You don't need more money, you need Jesus. You don't need your parents' approval, you need your heavenly Father's generous, forgiving and loving presence. The, the fact that we'll face judgment one day means that not only do we, do we know that the, this, this worldly wisdom that is good and wise from the teacher here is, is pointless, but please, it also means we need to stop listening to the foolishness of the world, because even the world's wisdom can't deal with the problems in our hearts or our lives. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Let's get those influences out of our heads. Now look... Um, I am going to risk it here because, you know, I'm silly. And maybe it's just because I'm going back into youth pastor mode because we uh, had all the youth hang out at our house yesterday. And that was really fun. But does anyone know what you do if? What do you do if, well, you're hitting the skids and you're up the creek? If you're down and out and things look bleak? If you're in the pits and you're out for a duck? If you're long in the tooth and you're short of a buck? Does anyone know what you do? Come on, somebody's got to know what you do. All right, I guess, oh... You know the song? What do you do? Hey, you. Remember the Lord. Oh, remember that He is in control. Remember the Lord. Whoa, because He's watching His children. He cares. Oh, remember the Lord. Oh, oh, oh. Now, I'll read the next verse, but if you want to sing this next chorus with me, you can. If your dad is crusty and your mum's in a flap and you spill the custard in your sister's lap and if you're sent to bed and you just don't know why. Man, that's happened a few times this week. And you can't get to sleep and you just want to cry. And maybe that's happened a few, a few times this week. Remember the Lord Oh, remember that He is in control. Remember the Lord. Oh, oh, He's watching His children. He cares. Oh, remember the Lord. Oh, oh, 
oh, oh. And that's, that's the conclusion here. See, God actually says, remember me. Call me to mind. Remember. Rebring God back into your consciousness. Don't forget that I'm here. I'm your maker. The, the, the teacher is right. I haven't given you all the answers, but God has all the answers and I'm here. You see, the difference between having the answers and having the one who does is very different. With one, you always need to double check that you've got the answers. When you've got God who has all the answers, I don't need to because I just know, I just know he has them and I just know that he's here. Remember him. Bring him to mind. Uh, in, in, these, in these passages, everything is smoke. This is, sorry, this is our next point. Everything is smoke. It's confusing. It's temporary. And even the things that make you feel secure, the things that we use to soothe ourselves in life, they're smoke too. They're going to dissipate one day. Cast your cares on God. 1 Peter 5, God says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under my mighty hand, that I may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety on me, because I care for you, he says. Remember him. Really matters as you remember the Lord. Now, in fact, it's so much so that actually, this is, this is our third point of application as well. Really remember the Lord. Remember that the Lord will judge. This is, there, this is back to sort of the, uh, the end of the book. God will bring every deed into judgment. Ecclesiastes 12, the very last verse, including every hidden thing whether it is good or evil. So it means that when Simon is overseas and no one gets just, just how hard it is for him to serve his family that day well, or when Lucinda is there and, she, and, and, and no one knows the sacrifices that she's made, because they just can't know, and she knows they can't know. So that's a hidden thing. And yet God will bring that good thing, that sacrifice, into judgment. No good deed will be unrewarded, though sometimes in life it might feel that no good deed goes unpunished. It's not true. God will judge all good deeds. And the same with those things that are hidden in our hearts, that even we don't want to admit and have access to. That he will judge all hidden evil things too. And so this is why we go to God. This is why we go to Jesus Christ. This is why Christians care about the gospel of Jesus who died on a cross for us and who was raised to life. That's why it matters that he really was raised from the dead and that road to Emmaus walk thing actually happened that Marika told us about in that story because if someone actually beat death then there's someone who's been through judgment to the other side and there is someone who can sort things out between us and God. Because that God will judge us and he is our maker and he deserves to judge. He should judge us. He's wrong if he doesn't and we'll face it. And that's why Jesus is so precious. We cast not just our anxieties on God, as 1 Peter 5 said. We actually cast our sin on him too. That's a bit of a presumptuous thing, isn't that? A, like you, as I say it like that, we don't just cast our anxieties. God cast your sin on him as well. Doesn't that just sound presumptuous? And it would be if he had not asked us to and wanted to be the provider, the loving God who did that for us. Remember your maker. Remember the Lord. And lastly, lastly, we seek his kingdom. The thing that you can do if you do the 1 Peter 5 thing, if we remember God and we cast our cares on him for he cares for us, cast our anxieties on him, 
The consequences of leaving our anxieties and our sins with God is that we can then look up. You see, if my sins and our, our sins and anxieties, they, they always turn in on me. My anxieties turn me to think about myself and concern for myself. My sin makes me think about myself and where I don't measure up or make me try and desperately look to the good things that maybe I might think of myself so that I can balance it out. Or, but either way, it's always turning me in. This is actually, this verse I've got on the screen, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's actually the bit that comes just after the lilies of the field. Don't be anxious because God knows you need these things. He's going to care for you. When you know that, what does that allow you to do? It allows you to seek God. It allows you to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And when our anxieties are on ourselves, it's really really hard let's pray God thank you that you don't just want us to remember you in time for judgment day but that you want the youngest of us you want George and the, 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 the little ones to remember you now, to walk with you through this whole life so that they may never know moments without their Heavenly Father's love, tender care and attention. So that they may never need to be so concerned about themselves that they won't be able to seek your kingdom. So, Father, I ask that for us. I ask that for me. And I'll be worried about me. That we won't be worried about ourselves. Because you're actually good. And you're truly there. God, it is really hard for us sometimes to do this, to trust this. And so our eyes turn in. Father, please do this miraculous thing. And Lord, I just praise you for the, the, the joy of seeing Christians around this church who are exactly that, who have this beautiful eye towards the future, knowing your care. And Lord, we see each other serving, seeking your kingdom. What a joy that that is so much of who we are. And Father, we just ask that it would more and more be who we are as we cast our cares on you remembering you from today until the day we see you face to face. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.